Hey, welcome to the Pride Prac Podcast, episode three. What a treat we have for you today. Oh, yeah. We have a guest here for you, Pride Prax, to enjoy. He, uh, let me just say a little bit about him. You know, he was a, a Nobel laureate for the Chernobyl explosion. This man is an eBay entrepreneur. He's a 1987 Time Magazine Man of the Year runner-up. And he has over 500 plus years of combined stagehand experience. <laughs> On top of that, he's the center of an FBI investigation for being a member of the IATSE organized crime ring. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan, Dan DeWolf. Hello, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. What's going on, man? I consider myself more of a mercenary for hire in the entertainment industry. Yes, oh, yeah, yes. No doubt. How many kills do you have under your belt? Well, as John stated, yeah, well 500, over 500. Yeah, yeah, you can't count that. It's, it's just too high. And the, the rest of it's classified. Oh, gosh. So, uh, Dan, you know, we wanted to have you on because I feel like you've had a pretty interesting, interesting time doing what you do. To say the least. Yeah, to say the least. And uh, I wanted to really like kind of dive into a little bit of some of the uh, excitement and fun things that go on uh, in a regular, regular old life of a stagehand here. So, uh, you know, what got you into this biz? Um, well, it all started back in third grade. I was, um, as a small student, we were asked to help the fifth graders put on a play. So do you mean small as in like you uh-huh. were just a small developmental human? Yes, exactly. <laughs> in third I was grade. never small physically, but In third grade, mentally. I was eating paste. Oh, you're like, mentally, I read at the uh, level of a first grader, but... Uh, well, we'll I just say I was a little behind. I, I was a little behind. Grade. It was my my third time at third grade. A lot of cocaine in that era. Third time in third grade. <laughs> it was the early 80s, third so that's, you know, yes. And it was because I finally got out. There you go. But uh, we put on a play for the fifth graders, put on a play, and we were asked to help. And I was involved with making sound effects in the background. Oh, that's hilarious. Behind stage. And I've always been a fan of old movies that they used to show on PBS in nice. Letterbox, And Ooh. after, in between productions, they would show behind the scenes of making movies in Hollywood back in the 60s and 70s. So I really seriously got into it then, but no one thinks they're going to grow up and, you know, be the firefighter or the astronaut that they want to be. And I met a kid in high school whose grandfather was the head of the IOTSE here in Erie. And in 93, they brought me in for one show. And halfway through the day, he asked me what my schedule was. And the rest is history. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'll, I feel like a lot of that. I mean, before we go back, I feel like a lot of that is uh, what it takes in this industry. You know, is like somebody realizes like, oh, this dude actually uh, has a head on his shoulders and he's not afraid of hard work. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you yeah. know, how long can you stay around? You know, oh, yeah. but uh, so real quick going back. Um, making sound effects backstage and stuff, that is an actual job that happens uh, a lot called a folly operator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just for the prod practice playing along at home. Um, and that's somebody typically in a cinematic area, but it also applies to live performances actually. 
that, uh, you know, you take whatever it is that you want to do. That's kind of a whole art form in itself, right? I mean, what, what sounds were you making? Like, how were you doing it? Do you remember? Uh, we were, it's we had a, ago, sque- a squeaky hinge, um, blocks of wood being knocked together to simulate trees being cut down. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, Fart noises. Uh, there was Those none were of real. that. Those were real. <laughs> there was a kid that was notorious <laughs> for that, but we won't get into that. <laughs> and then the other thing, <laughs> just leaving that alone before we go any farther. Um, can you tell the prod prax or anybody that doesn't know what IATSE is or what that means? Uh, International Association of Theatrical Stagehands Employees. And yeah. there's a lot more that goes after that. But it just basically means you're a guy that stands around and waits to be told what to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, John, you want to elaborate on that at all? Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go it's on. just like the yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. No, it's um it's uh the union that's that makes sure that skilled workers are in place, and some not so skilled, but for the most part all skilled workers and um we're very fluent in what needs to be done in the um entertainment industry, live recordings, um uh, video, you name it. If there's any production going on, there is an IATSE member present. Every movie that's made in the United States has IATSE in it. Every almost every play production that's on the road has IATSE involved. Yeah, and uh, also I'd imagine that IATSE has a bunch of different local groups. Yes, I mean like that's why you're where a lot of specialty comes in. Like they know the facility, so all these people on the road don't have to relearn or figure out how to get something to go somewhere in a facility because people there already know, yes? Right. Okay, cool. I wish that most road crews would understand that when they show up that we know the building better than them. But um, Erie has its own local. It's Local 113. It's been, uh, it was established in 1931. Holy cow. Um, we work mainly out of the Warner Theater, but we do productions throughout um, other venues when need be. Um, some of us are here for some of the productions that used to take place here. Um, all the shows at the Civic Center. And uh, basically we hold people's hands when they show up. Uh, you know, a semi will show up and um, they're like, okay, we're here to put our show on. And we help them get in the building. They tell us how they want it to be set up. We tell them the safe way to do it. We help them set it up. We help them with the production itself. And then Sweet. we pack it all up and ship it on out to the next show. Yeah, sweet. And I uh, I feel like just so that people don't understand maybe the, the scale of what could happen here, because it really is like any kind of show. Um, I know John can elaborate on a little bit of this, too, because uh, John is also a local 113 member. Yes, I am. Yeah, we hate to be reminded um, of that. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I am just not kidding. a 113 <laughs> member, <clears throat> though, just for anybody counting at home but usually somebody i guess in a my technical position really wouldn't be yeah no nah, i'm not necessarily oh. you, mm-hmm. it's not required because you're more of a um you're more of making sure everything happens than actually making sure everything happens 
Like, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Sense? I got yeah. you. I like planning to make sure it actually. I'm yeah. more of like the people that would come in off of the road, but I just have my own facilities. There always basically. has to be a guy with a clipboard walking. Right, around. you would be That's like me. the guy yeah. with the set vision on this is what it's going to look like, this is what it's going to do, and then you kind of just throw us IATSE people at it and go, freaking do it this way. That's my favorite. <laughs> and I we're actually, like, all right, we got this. I actually prefer to be rolled around in a chase lounge with people feeding oh, yeah, me grapes yeah, while I tell go. them what uh-huh. to do. But that's just me. I mean, everybody has their own style of. But I think also what, what people might not realize <laughs> about like a stagehand is like something I thought about was that we are always contemplating like what the next thing's going to be when something's going on. Like, okay, this person's going to come out and he's going to speak and you're contemplating, okay, How's that good? Are you going to come in from stage left, stage right? Are you walking over this area? This might be an issue. This might be an issue. We're always identifying things oh. that could cause what you want to do from not happening. Oh, for sure. Um, what, what do they say about Marines? A Marine is always prepared. Stage at hands are above and beyond being prepared. Right. We think of every scenario. Um, we need to know every small detail of every cue before it happens. If we don't, we won't know if it'll, you know, if it will succeed or if it'll fail. Oh, for sure. And I, I remember like one show that I did where I was, uh, I was an electrician for the show. And basically one of my cues was I was going to roll this moving light from stage uh, right over to stage left. And then the <laughs> lighting director was going to hit the go button and that light was going to light up these actors, right? But uh, I didn't know that was a cue coming up. And they didn't think to check the length of the cable. Oh, so I pushed hilarious. this thing all the way. I can see where this is going. I pushed this thing over <laughs> to stage left and I, I was getting, I couldn't make it. I was getting stuck and I didn't know it, but a guy on stage right was trying to untangle me. I'm knocking mops over with this cable <laughs> on stage right. And I'm like way far away from my cue and the guy hits go and it, it lights up just like the backstage. It like completely missed the cue and all the actors looked over at me like, Thanks for ruining the show, man. Yeah. And I just go, I, I didn't know it was a cue. I didn't, <laughs> but like you have to prepare for everything. Like if, if you have a cue set up for a dance show or whatever that you know something has to be over there, you, you also have to think about what cues came off the stage before that. You know, if, you're, if you have to push a sleigh yeah. onto the stage yeah. for Nutcracker – but everyone's you having piled horror up flashbacks everybody's oh, you know yeah. you piled up everybody's clothes right in front of it and everybody's standing right in front of it and you're like uh I, everybody get out of the way i have to get on stage like you have to think four five six seven steps ahead of where everything's gonna go yeah mostly like when you're the sleigh is a is a great example when you're pushing it and it's like okay so it's on stage and the performer is going to push it from stage left to stage right and then you have a thousand people stage right oh, and yeah. no room for yep. the sleigh to go so oh, they yeah. get to the wing and then boom, they're stuck yep. and they're standing there and you can still see them. Yeah. And so you can now still you see them. Yep. And, uh, oh yeah. You know, you this is like, this is awkward and you see, and then they like turn off, they turn off. So they're yeah. just like slouched over just <laughs> saying, like, they're uh, like, I need to get off stage guys. Yeah. 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 Too my, busy watching the show than actually understanding that they are part of the production going on. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing is when they do that and then they break the sleigh. Because they're trying to turn it around and like they're uh, like hitting people yeah. or booms or like anything else that's in the way, grabbing a yeah. leg as they're turning around. It's like oh yeah, so everything <sighs> definitely can't have nice things. Everything <laughs> definitely needs to be planned out. That's why like Bob Steinick comes in, he plans out that entire show. He's got every cue set. 
He's thought of every look and transition for all that, what what dancer's going to be where and how that's going to look. Like he, he's it, it really stagehand and all the work on the stage is really just preparing. It's a lot of preparation. You yeah, know? that man, I owe him a lot for me in this industry. He uh, definitely taught me. Um, he was the first one that sat me down, um, unbeknownst to him, that he was going to have to do this. But um, I was working down at the Warner, quick story, working down at the Warner. Um, I was uh, taken under the wing of my friend's ga- grandfather. We'll call him Vinny. And uh, he, his name was Vinny. His name was Vinny. <laughs> his name was Vincent. And uh, he brought me up here because Bob likes to have some professional help. But I was greener than green. So he brings me up to the pack. Um, he's like, okay, here's your help. And he's like, okay, we're going to hang these Fresnels. I had no idea what a Fresnel light was. Not at all. And I don't think the prod pracs do either. But you have Google. Please Google Fresnel sometime. This podcast is brought to you by Pro Gaff. The gaffer's tape used by the professionals. For all your taping needs, use what the pros use. And prevent dancers from tripping on all those pesky cables. Use Pro Gaff. That's to the internet, at. I'll go right now. Furs now, furs now. Yeah, it for is, real. and it's a, about a 500 pound light that's about the size of a bowling ball. Right, as always. Oh, but um, so he <laughs> he walked me through um what the lights were called. You know, your Lico's, Fresnels, Parkans. Um, what different lights did you know, different jobs, either just washes a scene or if it's direct lighting for the dramatic effects. And, um, it's, I owe him a lot. Yeah. And, um, I would rather focus lights with him than any other human being on the planet. Yeah. A lot of, and we've made it clear how much of, uh, how much of big fans of Bob's that we are. But they, he is like, he works with a lot of people though. I like, I, I am a descendant of the school of Bob Steinick, so to speak. Like, and he has a very particular and a very, what I call like a, a classic Americana lighting style. Like the way that he focuses and the way you see things like a very classic, very American it's just like quintessential Bob Steinick, but you don't know that obviously until you get right. in the biz and you've done a couple of focuses with other people where you're just like, yeah, like, you know, Hey, I kind of understand what you're doing, but, uh, this looks like crap. Yeah. Or, I wish mm-hmm. more people use the hand signals that he uses and he's definitely know. meticulous. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. yeah through, through that though, I guess what I'm saying is through that kind of focus and that meticulous, um, planning and the amount of thought that Bob puts into things before they happen, which is really what every good um, lighting designer or production manager or anybody that's really in a, a high level or even a low level stage hands, you, you have to be prepared. Like you have to think about it. And that's, that's like day one. I mean, that's like what makes somebody great at what they do. But then Bob takes that on top of himself. And I don't think that he realizes how much he's probably affected. Like, even this region of the United States with every person that he meets, every uh, group that he works with, like he doesn't, um, doesn't really turn away from whether it's a local small community theater or like Rennie Harris being invited by the uh, government of Turkey overseas to like perform there. He does 
all of those things. And so he works with people that know nothing and he works with just straight up true professionals mm-hmm. that he can just send a plot to and it's there when he gets there. Um, and that that's a huge influence on this though because I know that uh, I've learned pretty much everything I know about lighting from either Bob Steinick or Michael Gleason. Um, and then hearing that you've done that as well. And then, I mean, I'd imagine that a lot of people down at the Warner have had that experience over and over again. Yeah, it was um, a lot of people think that thing. he's a little too much. Um, but as soon as they don't work with him on a production that they are used to working with, they yeah. miss him instantly. They realize how much it sucks, yeah. Yeah, he, he is. How good he is. Like, he, no, he yeah, is, how much it sucks not being working with Bob. Yeah. Yeah, right. Have You have to be, he is so organized. He, well, we should be calling this the Bob Steinick podcast. I know. Oh, right? don't worry. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get and, him uh, on here. Yeah, he is um, working with him as opposed, now, now being in this field, I I call myself a mercenary because I work for the IOTSE, but I also work for different venues and local companies. And some people are better than others for sure. Um, but Bob is professional each and every time and just makes the days go by without well, smoother. Yeah. Right. Remember yeah. guys later today, you need to flip that check over from Bob Stein yeah, and make just, sure you sign it yeah. before you deposit that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I feel like there's a ton of stories that like things that happen, like being a state hand. So when you're on the ground level, when you're in the trenches, so to speak of the show, like you're the guy that's there. You're the person that's making it happen. Um, I mean, stuff inevitably goes wrong or almost goes wrong and gets saved. That happens too a lot, but all the time, all that stuff too happens though, by like people that are good at what they do in the business. And I think that I just want to point out to our pride Prac listeners that we, um, that's why we bring normally, in circumstances when we're doing shows like thanks COVID for Hmm. nothing, but we, that's why we bring people like Dan and others in that know what they're doing. You guys end up working with them. And it's like a lot of what you learn is like just through contact with these, uh, stage and professionals. Um, because John and I could show you a lot of things, but we also are in the midst of accomplishing a mission most of the time. And that, we don't have a lot of time to do uh, right. because that's how productions usually go. Time equals money. Um, and, you know, sometimes we don't have the time to show you how to focus a shutter because we just have to move on. We got, you know, 250 of those to go and we got two hours. So yeah. <clears throat> it's a, it's really nice having them around. But like you guys, Prod Prax, uh, you would even see, you know, things don't go right. Um and I feel like I have an excellent story, and that is uh, one of a nutcracker, which I feel like everybody could relate to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's all this huge snow bag that's hanging over your head that most of you have probably seen, or you've at least had snow trickle down upon you. Um, you know, my favorite is uh, when <clears throat> you have somebody there and they're not paying attention, because usually if you're running a two-line bag, you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And my favorite is one guy accidentally ran one side up too far with our original snowbag nice. and ripped it in half. Oh, snap. Like you couldn't even reload it anymore for other shows. It just all came down right at the beginning the snow, right? of oh. when the snow cue was. Nice. He was like, oh. Ready, go, bam. It just goes. Whoosh. 
holy <laughs> blizzard. Yeah. Oh, it's over. It was seriously, it was like <laughs> as if like snow slid off of a roof. Like if you're standing there, just like bam oh, into a good. pile on stage. The dancers were like, it's slip. I mean, that gets slippery because it was the plastic yeah. stuff that we have, you know, that we yeah. use. Shredded like, plastic. When you have yeah. so much. I was, oh, yeah. I was laughing so hard because it also was like, now it's down all the dancers' costumes. Like yeah. everywhere they're all like changing to come up for act two and they still have like plastic pieces coming out of oh, places yeah. like that's geez. awesome i think i think everybody has a has a story about a oh, snow bag we're we gonna we tell the kevin snow, story oh for sure we had a oh, snow bag where, where dan was on stage right and he was operating because we didn't have a bag it was like metal tubes with little holes perforated yeah, yeah, so that the, yeah so that those can come out yes so tumblers. dan's operating the one on stage right which was the one that we normally used for any show. From day one, I, yeah. my first year working, I actually worked the Nutcracker and was thrown into the mix on the snow machine. Yeah, so he, he had operated this machine before. Then they made like an additional one because they wanted even more snow. Right, but so the makers was, did not yeah, follow yeah. our yeah, directions. It wasn't, it wasn't very well made, that's for sure. So this guy Kevin that we work with, he was operating stage left, right? <laughs> so they start the snow. And Dan's sitting there, and he's doing his snow. Snow's snow's going great. Kevin, on the other side, he just yanks once, and it just goes wham, and it gets stuck like that. You can't pull it back the opposite way, so yes. it was just stuck. So then, instead of him just going, eh, you know, it's broke, it doesn't work, he's sitting there going wham, wham, wham. He's just pulling <laughs> on this, and all you hear is this blasting against the lights and everything. And that's squeak, all you, 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 you bang. Yeah. Squeak. <laughs> all bang, you hear is him squeak, banging. Bang. You hear and it over the music. You hear it over everything. And we're all on stage, right? Going, stop, stop. Or, you know what I mean? It's we're like, all doing the cut. And he's looking. He, he looks at us. He goes, it, you can broken. see a mouth that it's broken. And then as we're doing the stop, he looks up. And he just and, keeps going. And he just keeps doing oh, it. Oh, it's hilarious. And he did it on. <laughs> it was great. So he's just like making this obnoxious sound. He just—it was squeak bang, squeak bang, squeak bang, squeak bang. It was great. Oh God, I feel like I could edit that into a pretty sweet song right now, but <laughs> oh. I'll maybe refrain myself. No, maybe. please do it. <laughs> uh, well, I definitely think that there's a lot more stories. <laughs> I feel like that are out there about things that happen. Um, but you know, let's talk about, uh, an unusual experience, I guess. So like you mentioned the Warner theater earlier, and that's where you guys do a lot of your work at, um, you know, and currently right now, um, it is being rebuilt and updated. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's been something that's been coming for a long time, just for our pride practice listening at home. It's very rare that you actually get to be, uh, a stagehand, even like you, when your facility, I guess, is like completely renovated, um, in the from the actual stage back where they're not doing the house because that's a historic thing and I feel like that's uh, fantastic. In fact, that would be a shame if they ever really. Well, it, it was it was um, remodeled, yeah, I believe, yeah, in uh, two thousand and one or two thousand and two. They uh, did a revamping of it. They like re restored it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they restored like it and they changed right? okay. the seating layout. Yeah, yeah. to get more seats in there, probably. Uh, they actually lost fifty, but oh. made it a little bit more comfortable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If comfortable means walking past thirty people you don't know because you have to go to the bathroom. Then and, yeah, and then yeah. You yeah. thirteen. If you had to seat in the center, right, and you yeah, have to walk yeah. through you by gotta, thirteen people either way. No, no. John, John oh, likes to go me, from the me, aisle seat on yeah, the yeah, one side. Yeah, I go side. from one he end to the other. To the other aisle. <laughs> 
And he like in that whole time, you know, you making that dilemma like, do I give them my front or do I give them my back? If you know, you what gotta I'm saying? go vice versa. It's like it's like flip flopping. You, you can go front back, front back, front back, all the way down. Just yeah. give everybody the full effect. Yeah, the little yeah. flavor. And by the end, you know, you yeah. can really. It's a it's a patented spin move, all the way down the aisle. This podcast is brought to you by the Stage Mops. Sure. Sometimes the batteries die. Sure, it's awkward. And sure, sometimes it doesn't spray. And when it does spray, it only sprays in one spot. And sure, the trigger's sliding down the handle. But hey, it beats a Swiffer, right? The backstage facility. So tell us about that, uh, just because I feel like it's pretty... Interesting. Um, first of all, I wanted to just say, like, even about Warner Theaters in general, um, for people that don't know, you know, Warner in town here, at least I, I'm just going to shamelessly steal from Wikipedia here. Warner, uh, The Warner Theater was built in 1929 in Erie, or at least it was commissioned to be built in 1929. I think it opened, uh, let's, what's I say, 1931. So it's old. Uh, it's been it's around old. for a long time. The only thing that is the same age as Mercyhurst is the Warner Theater. Mm. That I did not know. Um, and Michael Gleason. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is... Uh, Just wow, kidding, yeah, Michael. He's actually like 70-something, so... Oh, he's getting up there. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, it was uh, originally a vaudeville stage and movie house. So it had a very narrow stage. Um, it was only 24 feet deep. Right? Am I correct, John? From, oh, boy, I don't remember that. From proscenium to back pillar, I believe, is 24 feet. And that's, like, obnoxiously shallow. shallow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's probably about 30 feet wider than most stages are with a 70-foot yeah, proscenium opening. So, yeah. Proud Prax, if you don't know what a proscenium is, you should Google it. But it's also, I'm going to tell you, the opening that divides the house seating where audience and patrons sit to the stage area that is performed. That opening in the wall is the proscenium. Uh, and just to give you an idea, because you can kind of understand how shallow 24 feet really is, our stage has uh, a stage depth of 38 feet to the back wall. Okay, we usually operate in a 36-foot area, and our proscenium is 45 feet wide. So it's, it's 24 feet tall, and it's 45 feet wide. It's the opening of the proscenium. And then our stage is actually... 38 feet deep so 24 feet is shallow yeah. like that's not a lot and then i'm imagining when you hang goods and do all that it makes it even smaller right most broadway shows that come in they cut an entire electric mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah and a, an entire set of legs and they have to condense you know and the possibility of like a crossover behind anything is almost null and void Right. You know, it's just like, it's just not there. Yeah, it's the street, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, pretty yeah. much, you, you, you got to run. Double doors, yeah. there's a sidewalk. You got to run downstairs and yep, run back up another rooms. set of stairs yep. through the dressing yeah. area. So how big how big are they making that? I mean, what are, what are they doing? They are adding, I believe it's 12 feet. Um, it's going to be deep. It's going to be super deep. We're getting deep. a whole new stage. Um, there's going to be hydraulic traps in the stage so they can do different levels on the stage floor. Um, we're going to have a rehearsal hall. We're going to have green rooms, loading docks. Cause we normally loaded 
right off of Front Street. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, trying to drive yeah. up the road when mm-hmm. uh, a Broadway show is in town going in there, and there's like two lanes of semi-trucks backed up forever, and you're trying to squeeze down the one open lane on a yeah. one-way street nonetheless. It's like, yeah, we try to be kind, but when you have like a large production of eight semis that you have to unload and then pack at the end of the night, you don't want to be driving through there at night. Mm-mm. Yeah, and the scale of Pride Practice at home too, I and I've moonlighted for the local 113 twice, but um, one of those shows, if you've never heard of it, it's called Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and it's the guys that go around playing Christmas music like rock and roll, heavy metal kind of stuff. Um that show, I think, was like 28 trucks or something like 28 full-size it's, semi-trucks. It's stupid. When yeah. we say trucks, we mean like yeah. like semis. 53-foot trailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you have 28 semi-trucks waiting to load, no matter kind of what facility it is, really, they're like lined up around the block, down the road, in the street. They're like anywhere that they can possibly be to get into that space. Yep. yep. And they, when they came to town, so they have all those trucks. So they needed 116 people from the local to help them set up the show. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, it's, it's an involved show too. Uh, it's an undertaking. Yeah. There's all sorts of people in the union, just like uh, what we talked about, but there's uh, a little bit more of a firmed up structure in the union um, than what we do backstage for here, which is what we did in our second episode. Um, But there are guys that have to crawl all the way up to the top of the uh, ceiling, basically in no matter where they are. And that's how they're called riggers. uh, And that's how they hang all these things that pick up all this heavy stuff and they can do it any way they want. And there's a whole team of people that are responsible for where those go, how they're going to get up there, et cetera, et cetera, uh, between both the road crew and the local 113 in our instance. Um, I have a picture and I would be more than happy to show you Pride Practice if you ask her, I can email it to you. Um, but it shows that there was like 144 points mm-hmm. that were hanging down from the ceiling uh, with chain motors. And it was like a sea of chain motors. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just something like there's just so much that it would really give you a good idea of like how complicated some of those performances or productions can be. And not only that, but why they would need 116 people. Because when you really think about what 116 people or 140 people or whatever it was can do. I think that just includes just the hands on the deck, no, that was, not the riggers. That was not the riggers. Yeah, yeah. The riggers. Yeah. That was not like the riggers. I think, 30, 40 I think it was people. like 145 or 100 yeah, something. It's, I, yeah, it's I remember stupid. when I walked in, it, there was just so many people there. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. like what? What are we doing here? I mean, like what? Like were we building a house in a day? Or and what? it really is impressive because <laughs> at first it it just looks like mass chaos because mm-hmm. there's cases everywhere, people everywhere, cables everywhere. You're like, good oh, lord, the cables. And then. After five, six, seven hours, you're like, wow, stage is all set, lights yeah. are all set. Yeah, They're there's a, tre- it's a like, tremendous it's like, amount of things yeah, have just happened. Like, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. And like Pride Prax, so you know how this stuff works too. Like there's so many people, especially at arena shows, um, and it's a good practice in general, but they have colored shirts for individual departments. So like mm-hmm. carpenters will wear red. Um, the Props would be, yeah. Yeah. You know, pink. Right, usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually the shirt system is kind of uniform. Yeah, yeah but oh, yeah. like... Loaders, pushers. The poor guys on lighting or video. Get or black. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And the reason, the main reason they do that is because department heads who are the roadies that come in with the show, they love to steal bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you can look at somebody's shirt and you know what they should be doing. Like, oh, like, yeah. Why is this yep. guy in a red shirt? You're green. You're supposed to be pushing. Yeah, and he's why working with a bunch of truck? purple shirts. Yeah. That, you know, yep. that means the the video guy stole him. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. we don't take kindly to your color around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in that well, application. That got incredibly racist. In that wow. application, yes. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You guys, I, I'll hand it to you. Like, stagehands especially. They just like, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of different people. Like there's a lot of different people from walks of life that come into that. Like I've, I've met, I mean, who is, uh, who is that guy? We don't have to say names here, but there was like, there's a guy that was a chiropractor, right? That's a local 113 guy or was a chiropractor or something. Worked at Crusade. I can't think of a chiropractor. Worked at Crusade. Oh yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, He looks like Dan. Oh yeah. The beard. Yeah. 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 Hey, got the beard. Nice. I don't have a beard. Nice beard. Yeah. He's like, I, this is alive. Very long beard. He's got this ZZ Top beard this going. November 1st, 2019. Growth. That's impressive. <laughs> That's yeah. only because you've been so uh, traumatized from what everybody said from when you shaved your face. Oh, it'll clean. never, ever. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have facial hair for 30 plus years, do not ever shave it off i imagine some of these prop racks do have facial hair right yeah and if you do you should also (laughs) consider joining the circus because i've legitimately heard that bearded ladies get paid a lot of money actually no they They do that can't be real sure every old italian grandma she's rolling in it out there why you could just you could just (laughs) you could just put a beard on you wouldn't have to legitimately grow a beard you put a beard on it's all fake anyway oh no 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 circus is real uh, yeah. The circus is real. Don't ruin their dreams, John. The earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I want to say thanks, Dan. I really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, thanks cool. for sharing. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah. I have a thousand stories, so if you uh, ever want me back. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Welp, that's it for this time. Thanks for joining me on the Production Practicum Podcast. Yeah.